Hey everyone, it's episode three of Love Essie, the podcast. And this week's episode, we're going to focus on book one of Nalini Singh's fantastic side changeling series, Slave to Sensation. Okay, for those of you who have not read Slave to Sensation yet, that is okay. That is okay. I mean, when you do read it, you might you might become obsessed and you may spend a lot of time that could, you know, be spent doing things like working and sleeping and eating, reading. And that is okay. I mean, you can join the rest of us who are major, major stands and also lose sleep and miss meals and not pay attention at work because you are so engrossed in the books. And if you haven't read any of her books and you start off with Slave to Sensation, you have a ton of books to get through, right? As opposed to me, who's waiting for until, you know, June 9th for the next book to come out, you will have, I believe, just regular books, not including novellas, 18 books to get through. So for those of you who haven't read, I'm going to sort of give a brief overview without any major spoilers or any spoilers if I can avoid it. And if you then want to read the book without spoilers, you can sort of like skip a section and like tune into the podcast. And I'll that'll be in the show notes, like where to stop if you don't want to hear spoilers and where to come back in to hear about other things. And for those of you who don't care about spoilers, you can just, you know, listen to this straight through. So Nalini Singh's book is what I I would classify as a sort of paranormal type of of romance um and i say paranormal because in her book series you've got uh humans changelings which for a lot of people the other term would be shifters uh as in people who can go from a human being to an animal you know shifting changing um and psi people spelled p-s-y and these are people with sort of mental powers mental abilities we're gonna go with that so is this like a contemporary romance set in you know modern day new york no not exactly um the books are set when we meet um the characters that we meet in this book it's the years 2079 which I mean, about a decade ago, it would have seemed so far away. But now that we're in 2020, that's only 59 years away. <laughs> 59 years away. So if you're 30, you'll be 89. If you're 20, you'll be 79. Uh, if you're 40, you'll be 99. Anyway, um, so the books are set in 2079. Uh, we meet our two main characters, Lucas Hunter and Sasha Duncan in San Francisco. So... The book is set still on the same planet Earth we live on and major cities that exist for us today exist in the book. Uh, so it isn't like paranormal in the sense that it's set on a completely different planet with cities we've never heard of. No, it's set in San Francisco. <laughs> so, you know, you, I haven't ever been, but I, I know it's there. It exists. Things like the Golden Gate Bridge also exist in this universe. But then, of course, there are going to be differences because it is not exactly our contemporary world. Um, so there is 
a mystery um when this book begins uh lucas hunter and his uh leopard pack are trying to find out information um and sasha duncan who is sai and the daughter of um Nikita Duncan, who is on the ruling Psy Council, is what they hope their way into that sort of information. So you are going to begin the book with a lot of questions. Um, I think that Nalini Singh's prologue is really great because it sets up a, a... it. There are questions that arise from the prologue that she then proceeds to um she then proceeds to give you sort of history and um information that you're going to need to know or that you're going to be curious about um and you will see why that prologue as you go through the book and then through the series questions that come up in that prologue are going to be answered and of course other questions then arise because that's one of the really fascinating things about um maybe life like as you answer one question then you have like five more so this i do think that she does a really fantastic job of setting up um sort of history and context for who the Psy are and why they are the way they are when we meet them in 2079 um and then from there you know you've got essentially two people who are part of two different you know uh groups having to work together falling in love and then all of the sort of the conflict and drama that comes when you fall in love with someone who you're not supposed to fall in love with right you're choosing someone who everyone's gonna look at you like "Mm, but you chose her but you chose him but like what about your own people those kind of questions that like we see over and over again and no i don't think this is like a romeo and juliet situation no i don't know i don't i also don't shakespeare at my jam but anyway um but it is very much that is a part of the conflict but another big part of the conflict is sasha duncan realizing that a lot of what she has been told uh, a lot of what she has been educated on is incorrect or is so far from the truth and so there's just so many things that she will find out as she goes through this journey that is going to just sort of blow her mind um so yeah I don't know I'm trying to think of like how else can I talk about this book without like really delving into it and then possibly spoiling it for you I mean I guess what I can say is uh if you like romances where the heroine is someone who is open to change and vulnerable and but also you know fully willing to do what is right even when doing what is right is going to be you know going to be a huge cost to her herself personally then I think you'll really like uh Sasha as the one of the main characters Lucas Hunter also is a main character that is he also wants to do what's right and is able to see sort of things clearly even when 
there is so much emotion, even when, you know, things are happening that would make so many people just fly into sort of a blind rage. He's able to sort of take that that necessary step back and make sure that the decisions are, are being made. Um, don't just don't just go and like you know destroy everything because of the emotion, but making the choice of like what can we do to both make our point heard, but that won't like then you know decimate our lives. Um, so I think these are these two characters. They're I think they're very strong. I think that in in their differences, there's I think what I've I saw as a similarity was the way that they both had to handle these responsibilities um and make these choices that they knew would, you know, not necessarily be applauded or worse, you know, shot down by others, but sort of always pushing to make the choice that was best for sort of the larger group as opposed to just making the choices what's best for me um and so I do think that if you want to read uh if you don't read romance at all this I I personally think this is a great book to start with because I mean you like I said you get a mystery and you get all his history, and you'll you, and you also get a romance. Um, if you do read romance, and you're like, but I don't really like read paranormal because like I don't care. I don't think that this is so far out there that you're like, but oh, what? I think that the way that she structured the book and these characters, um, you can sort of. I don't think it's a mirror like I said it's not a mirror image of our world but there are some similarities right you've got three major groups um all sort of battling to see what's going to happen and what's going to change you currently have a ruling group the side but is it is clear from this book that something is happening and that things are about to change this is a moment we step into the series um, at a very pivotal moment where history is clearly changing. And some people are aware that history is changing or are sort of riding that wave of changes. Some people are completely blinded to the to that fact and will, you know, realize later or not at all that the way this world has run um, for the last hundred years is about to drastically change. And it it has to drastically change because of the decisions that were made over the last hundred years. So I think if you've never read the books, if you've never read romance, I like I said, I think this is a great book to start with. And I think that if paranormal is not your jam, I would still give this book a chance. Um, go into it because Nalini is... I'm pretty sure I've read every single book in her backlist. I have read the books that she wrote for Harlequin. I have read all of the novellas. I've read this series, the Guild Hunter series, and her contemporary series. Oh, I, there's one book I haven't read. Her newest thriller. That's the only one I'm, I still have to read. But everything else that this woman has written, including short stories in her newsletters, I have read. Um... 
I've said many times she could write grocery lists and I would be like, oh my God, like, where do I pre-order? Like, where do I sign up? Like, oh my God, yeah, tell me, tell me, adonde? Um, and so I think that she is really, really good at writing and really, really good at crafting characters that you care about. And in this first book, because it's the first in the series, you're going to meet a bunch of characters that you're going to have so many questions for. And because it's a series, they will get their book and you will learn more about them and their corner of the world as you progress through the series. So I do think that you should definitely give this book a chance if you haven't. If you've already read this, if you've all, you know, if you're already a Nalini Singh fan or, you know, (laughs) you just read it, I don't know how long, go back and reread. And I say go back and reread because I think I've read this book now three or four times. And every time I read it, I'm just like new details pop up and I'm just like, (gasps) (gasps) like, you know, gasping and like, just like all like, oh my God, I now see where she set up this and oh, and oh my goodness. And it's, I do think that is like, sorry, I'm I'm rumbling, but I, I think she's brilliant. And I think that she does just an incredible incredible job and this first book is the beginning of a series that I think is just incredible I think timeless there have definitely been moments where things that have happened in the book I've sort of looked at everyday life and been like hmm that is eerily similar hmm and I, I, she, she's really good. Okay. Just, just go out, get the book. Um, and you know, treat yourself to this, this amazingness and, and just enjoy it. Okay. So I'm going to like pause here because when I come back, I'm like, I'm going to get into some spoilers. Like I'm going to keep talking about the book, but I'm really going to go into a lot more detail which, you know, for some people, they'll be like, no, Esther, how could you? And I'll be like, I told you I was going to do this. So if you kept listening to that section, like, don't be mad. I mean, you can be mad. You can do whatever you want. But I'm just going to look at you like, but I told you. So if I told you, whose fault is it really? So anyway, I'm going to pause here. And then when I come back, we're going to get into it. Oh, my God. Okay, bye. So, it's life to sensation, but with spoilers. So again, if spoilers is not something you want, stop listening right now, press pause, then go forward to wherever I have marked that says there will be no more uh, spoilers, and then continue listening there. Okay? So, anyway. This... um, like I said earlier, I love this book. I love this series. This is like my jam. So Lewis Hunter, who is the alpha of the Dark Hunter Leopard Pack, becomes an alpha mad young. He's 23 when it happens. And when we meet him, he's him and his pack are trying to figure out 
who is a serial killer in the side because one of his um, sentinels lost his sister. Dorian's sister uh, is murdered before we meet our characters. Um, and so there is unfortunately no like, oh, what, you know, what was her life like? Like when we meet everybody, she's already gone. Sasha Duncan, daughter of Nikita Duncan, who is on the side council. And Nikita is ultra powerful, right? Because you cannot be on the side council and not be powerful and not have murdered people. And Sasha is a cardinal side. And we know that she's a card- We're informed that cardinal sides um, have eyes. It's like black with uh, white dots like stars. And so obviously if you are Psy, you can't like if you were a cardinal, you can't hide that because your eyes are different from everybody else's. But she is considered sort of a useless broken side because she doesn't really have a designation. Um, so even though her eyes say that she has a shit ton of power and she's been told that there's just some power there that she can't tap into, she is treated as, you know, um, sort of an expendable slash useless slash not, not worthy sigh um and so these two people uh have to work together um and they have to work together because lucas is trying to get an in to the signet to find out information about the serial killer um who he and his team have realized hit not his team him and his people have realized that this serial killer is targeting changeling women because as they start putting the pieces together they are obviously communicating different changeling packs are communicating and are realizing that there is a similar that there is the same methodology is happening in all of these killings but enforcement which is you know i guess what would be all of the police departments we think of is run and managed by the side and they're clearly burying the case so that lets them know okay the side know what's going on um so the their thought is if we get a contract with a high level ranking side sasha's daughter sasha being nikita's daughter their assumption is she's a high ranking side she will be able to get the information that we need or at least we can get that information from her one way or the other um, not knowing, of course, because they aren't in the Psynet or part of the Psy world, that Sasha isn't seen as a powerful Psy because of her quote-unquote uh, uselessness uh, or, or lack of an actual power. So you've got these two people who have to work together so it's like oh my god like a workplace romance right but is it like not quite because of course lucas is really trying to find out information about something else (laughs) and then to top it all off right um the world is clearly changing when we meet everyone um we find out from the prologue that it's been a hundred years of silence silence is a protocol that the Psy uh took on to remove emotion from all of that like from all of their young um and themselves because by removing emotion they would be able to get rid of violence um, because before silence, um, 
there was just so many of them that would fall into madness and kill themselves and the people around them and so the aim of silence is we're in a um, conditioned emotion out of everybody and when you don't have emotions then you don't get angry in which case you don't kill people but there's clearly a serial killer so something is wrong there something is happening that even with this like amazing protocol that has just made the size so, so cerebral and powerful. Something obviously is happening because you've got a serial killer. And it, he's clearly, like, sci, you know. And so that's sort of where we come in and we start to see um, all of the things that the sci aren't sort of realizing because they are sort of blinded to those things because, again, they think, that everything that they've done, um, and that silence, like these things are, this is just how it is. And they are too arrogant and unwilling to bend, um, and willing to do anything to maintain the status quo. And I don't mean also, but there are definitely the, you know, the members of the side council, when we meet them, it's clear that they are interested only in maintaining the status quo, um, no matter what they have to do. Um, including, you know, like murder, that's fine. It's like, well, if that's what we got to do, that's what we got to do. So one of the things I think Nalini Singh does brilliantly, um, and there are many things, but one of the things I think she does brilliantly is this world is clearly a diverse world. Um, it has three major groups, humans, changelings, and size. Um, and people are of all sort of different backgrounds. And she writes every one. I've read books where the characters of the characters that weren't white felt like tokens. Like, oh, I just put like that person in there and gave them like this sort of description so that I could be like, look, my books aren't lily white. And I've never felt that way when I've read one of her books. I think she does a really fantastic job of giving us people who are as multifaceted and multi-hued as we are in real life. And it feels normal and real. And no one feels other. Like, no one feels like... The way she describes her characters, none of them feel like a weird tokenized other they just feel like the people that they're supposed to be like they're just so and so and they happen to be you know brown light brown dark brown medium brown brown with some honey tones uh you know what i mean peaches and cream complexion she doesn't use that thank god uh but you know like all the shades of pink all the shades of you know nude it doesn't feel forced or unreal or or like I said like token it it feels so real and like as if it's a world I could step into except like you know we can't change into leopards or or wolves or whatever else uh, and there aren't people with mind powers where they can literally you know make a heart explode with their mind or 
make you feel something or take away a bad emotion. Um, And so I do think that that is something that I really enjoy in her romance. And I think, you know, if you're an aspiring writer and you're like, I want to write romance and I want to know how to do it well, read Delaney Singh. And, and read her voraciously over and over again. Take notes because, ooh, is she good. She, she, she's so good. It's just, she's so, so good. Um, and then there are questions that come up in the book that also, like, sort of make me question, like, you know, every day, like, like my current life. Um, and uh, early on in the book... Um, Laura of Laura. Wow. No. Lucas and Sasha are having a conversation and um he's sort of asking like who holds the council accountable and she's just like they know everything like how could they be wrong, right? Like and then she sort of throws it back on him like well who holds you accountable? And I'm reading this directly from the book. It's a quote. He goes, if I break pack law, the sentinels will take me down. Who takes down your counsel? He almost thought she wouldn't answer. Then she said, they are counsel. They are above the law. And I don't think that I thought of this the first time I read it. But I know in subsequent reads, my first thought was like, exactly. Who watches the Watchmen, right? Which uh, then you also had made me think of The Watchmen, the comic book, which um, is now a show on HBO and there was a movie. But yes, if the council in this book is the ruling power for the side and there is no one to bring them to task, what does that mean for that society? What does that mean, at least for that group of people? You have people in power who no one can sort of, um, no one can pull, t- uh, you know, bring them to task if they have made mistakes or if they have committed atrocities. So, what kind of a society then do you have when you have this ruling body that answers to no one? but themselves, right? Oh, because, oh, they're supposed to be, you know, almighty and all-powerful, and so they know everything, so they'll do what's right. But what if they don't do what's right? And that is basically, I think, a big underlying question and theme in the series. Like, you have these people with these massive powers, but what if they aren't doing what's right? Who then, who then does something about that? And why is it that, everyone was okay or maybe not everyone was okay but how is it that they were allowed to get to the point that they did um and so that was something that I was like oh yeah like what in the like what is going on here now in Sasha's case right she's a woman who knows that she isn't valued because she technically doesn't have powers or her powers are quote unquote not not useful but she doesn't know anything else right she has grown up in this world this is the only world she knows and before this 
it's clear that she has had no exposure to either changelings or humans. That is how isolated the three groups are when we meet that someone whose mother is on the ruling council has has had no interaction with non-Psy people. And so her interactions with Lucas and Lucas's pack are fascinating because this is someone who is, as an adult, having to learn how to navigate um, relationships with people who are nothing like her, right? So it's like taking someone who's only lived in a very specific world and then being like, okay, well, now you have to deal with these other people. And I think that she she definitely has her moments where she you know, missteps because, again, she's never been exposed to any of this um and on top of that the changelings are a highly emotional group and emotion is considered literally enemy number one for for side like they're just like (laughs) emotion is terrible and (laughs) all you fools with your feelings (laughs) how dare you have feelings (laughs) this is why you don't rule because you have feelings you're so busy feeling things that you can't get ahead and the changelings are kind of (laughs) like first of all um we are powerful because we allow ourselves to feel and you just are you don't understand how to navigate world with feeling and that is a detriment but you know we'll let you live in your silly little you know mini boxes because y'all like to live in tiny little boxes because y'all are foolish while we're out here you know getting stronger and stronger and stronger every day um and so i do think it's like this sort of you know these two characters that have to are trying to navigate each other. And then, of course, you know, they're attracted to each other. And for Lucas, it's like, yes, I've had sex. I, you know, this makes sense. And for, for Sasha, like, we're talking a woman who's a virgin, who's been told all emotion is bad, who feels things and obviously is like, I'm broken because I feel things. And so she is just like, how do I handle this? I'm going to go crazy. And then what's going to happen to me when I go crazy? Like, I'm going to, you know, be sentenced to a horrible horrible existence because the idea is that someone like her would be sent to a rehabilitation center and they would rehabilitate her I say that in air quotes because really it's just stripping her of all everything that makes her her and just sort of leaving a shell of a person who can do basic you know functions like maybe sweep or mop or whatever and so obviously that's that's like you know a death because everything that makes her her would be just sort of torn away um there is something that i thought was really interesting um nalini so sasha right is we will we find out in the book that Sasha is an empath or an e an e side and so technically her powers are directly tied to emotion she has always felt and will always feel because that literally is part of her power she is able to take away people's negative emotions she's able to take that into herself it hurts her but she's able to neutralize it in a way 
and allow that person who has been feeling those negative emotions like rage and you know desolation and despair and they're able to then feel more at peace more calm so she's always felt and so one of the things that I think is really striking when I first read the book clearly I was like Nikita her mother is a terrible mother having read it now several times and realizing Nikita had to have known exactly who and what her daughter was. And she could have just gotten rid of her child, right? She is powerful enough that she could have created an accident and her daughter died and that would have been the end of it. So having now read the books so many times, I do think that Nikita and all Sai do have a level of feeling for their children, even though the way they go about getting children is really, really clinical. And that part of Nikita being so um, brutal and having such a, and having a reputation for someone who would just murder you, you know, and end you, you know, without a second thought, I wonder if she cultivated that in part because she knew that she needed to be so strong and and appear so awful so that people wouldn't ever try anything with her daughter, knowing that her daughter clearly had what was what is at the time that her daughter is born um, a major a major problem. Right now, the book mentions the fact that you know Esai at one point were murdered, right? Or sorry, called um, because it's like, well, we're getting rid of emotions, so we don't need these people. And then they started to realize, no, 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 no. When we kill them off, we 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 get bigger problems. And so those Esais were allowed to live, but then fed some song and dance about how they're technically, you know, undesignated. Um, and so also having now read all her books, that makes me understand why we are where we are in the current, currently in the series, right? Um, once you read through all the books, you realize that this, um, this sort of negation of emotion of, of trying to shove all emotion into a, a box and then, you know, cover it up has had terrible consequences. And even though there was an example of the fact that, like, you couldn't get rid of them, the size still weren't smart enough to realize th- that it would snowball into what it is today and and all the problems that they now have because of the fact that they tried to remove emotion completely and so this first book lays the groundwork for so much of the series um and yet it's still I think a fantastic love story uh it's really interesting how these two people come together how Lucas who has suffered so much because Lucas has suffered you know ends up falling in love with a woman who I mean, it would be so much easier for him to, you know, choose a changeling. But that's not what happens. He ends up with Asai. And he ends up having to, you know, 
in some ways defend his choice. He is, of course, such a great alpha that his pack is kind of like, if this is who you've chosen and she makes you happy, then we're doing this and we've got your back. And um, that's, I think, another thing that this woman does so well. The friendships in her books between characters are the kind of friendships that, you know, I want to see in everyday life. Like, I, you know, wish I could somehow step into this world and meet these people and be friends with them because she has these friendships that, you know, and they're not like perfect friendships where everything's great all the time. No, they're real friendships. There are moments where characters butt heads and are like, I can't believe you're doing this or what is wrong with you or, oh my God, you know, people are real like the characters are fully fleshed I think in a way that you don't always get in some romances like in some romances I feel like the main characters whoo yes fully fleshed but then like the secondary characters are kind of like eh. and she is like no 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 you gonna get you gonna get full characters out of everybody and I I wonder also if it's it's a series right so as we meet we meet a lot of characters in this first book, um, which for some people that might be like, oh my God, how do we keep track? Don't worry about it. it you, you'll be fine. But you meet a lot of characters. You meet a lot of people in Lucas's pack who will get their own books. Um, you meet another pack, a snow dancer, who are a wolf pack also in California, um, and the fact that these two packs are able to coexist side by almost side by side is talked about because it's supposed to be not really possible because they're both predatory changeling packs and predators don't tend to work together right that's why they're predators they're like nah either i kill you or you kill me but somebody going to die and that isn't what ends up happening and so i think that this this is just really a fantastic beginning for a series. Um, and, ooh, I mean, you'll see Sasha and Lucas and their relationship as it evolves throughout the other books, right? Because they don't just disappear uh, as the series continues and we meet other characters. We meet people who are intimately tied to these chicken right and so we'll see more of we get to see more of nikita we get to see more of lucas's packmates of lucas's sentinels of mercy and vaughn and uh clay and then in snow dancer we meet hawk and we get to see more of him sienna judd brenna uh Riley, Andrew, all of these characters don't just show up in this book and then disappear never to be heard from again. Every single one of them you will see in future books. You will learn so much about them in their own books, but as the series progresses and we meet other people, they there are cameos, I guess. And I don't even think of it as cameos. I think of it as in she, these people all are interlinked. And so, yeah, when, you know, eventually we get to Walker and his story, of course, we're still going to see his brother, Judd, and 
Judd's uh, mate. And we're going to see all of the people that matter to Judd. And then the people that matter to the people that matter to Judd. Oh, I was talking about Walker. But you know what I'm saying. And so, uh, I mean, it's just, it's so good. It's so good good and the foreshadowing I'm not gonna lie I'm really bad at like mysteries and so it, it, I think it was on my third or fourth reread that I realized who the serial killer was like and I was like oh that's why we hear about him when we hear about him because he's a serial killer but like I definitely didn't get that at first um but that's like me being slow i'm sure there are a lot of people who are like i knew who the serial killer was as soon as they mentioned him and i'm like yeah but i'm slow sometimes and so i didn't like really oopsie daisy didn't know um but it is i think it's so 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 good and then there are like scenes that like oh make me like oh like, I'm pretty sure I've cried in every single one of her books. Um, so, spoiler. <laughs> I've been spoiling it this whole time. No, this is a, this, this seat, this, I'm going to read this part only because, like, it makes, oh, the writing. It's just, oh, okay, let me start reading. What she did say succeeded in stopping his heart. I wish you'd love me. Why? Because then maybe you could protect me too. Haunting sorrow whispered through her tone. Why do you need protecting? His male instincts were rising past the dark burden of memory. She cuddled closer and he wrapped his arms tight. Because I'm broken. Her hand kept smoothing over his heart and he could feel melting warmth invade his body. And the sigh don't allow broken creatures to live. You feel perfect to me. No answer, only that smoothing hand over his chest. With each stroke, he felt more at peace. A different form of heaviness infiltrated his bones. It felt strangely as if he was going to sleep again. As darkness closed over him, her quiet statement circled his mind like an endless river. Because I'm broken. And all I can say is, I was just like, oh my God. Sasha, oh my god, Lucas, oh my god, like, uh, I don't, oh my god, look at, it was just, and, and there are so many others that I'm just like, like, hi, how, Abaka, it's just, and so, you just, you just need to go, and you need to read this book, because it is so so good and I mean I was gonna be like I apologize in advance for you know making you addicted to her I don't apologize because here's the thing good books are just everything and this is the beginning of some awesomeness like some awesomeness so yeah go out there go read these books um and just enjoy reading something so well written so well written i just oh i'm so happy i'm so happy oh and i'm like oh do i want to give you guys any more any more quotes any more hmm 
I wonder. Oh. No, that one's too sad. I'm like, no. No. That one's also really sad. Hmm. I wonder. No. Oh, I mean. Nah. Oh. Random, but like, whatever. Because she's an empath, um... and emotion is like what she feels. Um, her, she, her mind sort of shoots out like little rainbows, which sounds like like really funny. But I thought that was so interesting that like this idea that people who are highly emotional, like their mind is just sort of shooting out a s- rainbow or rainbow sparks. That when you think of a rainbow, you sort of think of, like, prettiness and happiness, and it makes you smile, and just, like, oh my god, like, a positive emotion, and that, my friends, is, is what, like, she spits out, just, like, okay, not like that, but you know what I mean, um, anyway, go out there, read Nalini Singh's Slave to the Sensation, if you haven't, if you have, (laughs) maybe read it again, um, if you don't know, uh, the next book, comes out uh june 9th and it is going to have selenka who is the alpha for the wolf clan the wolf pack sorry in moscow so if you've read uh silver silence i think that's i think we've met her before that book but that's the book where we really get to know her um I think we first meet her in Caleb's book because he lives in that region. Anyway, that book is coming out June 9th, 2020. So if you want, you can start now and read all of her books so that you are ready for that book in June. Um, also check out her newsletter. Her newsletter is awesome. And she'll like randomly post like stories um, little stories in it, um, and her novellas are all really, really, really good, and you get, like, little, um, you get to see other characters that I guess would be, like, tertiary characters, not secondary, uh, in those novellas. It's just, she's really good. So, go out there, read the book, read the series, and, um, Find me on Twitter so that we can squeal about it together and you can ask me questions and we can just like, you know, be crazy, crazy Nalini Singh fans. Um, and, you know, maybe when she comes stateside, we can all meet up and go and just like scream and cheer and have banners and balloons. And um, she can be like, oh, my God, I'm so scared of you. What are you doing? And we can be like, we just love you so much. And, you know but like you know within reason like we don't want to scare the woman away because she's like really cool and that would be like terrible so um let's not do that all right uh in the next segment i'm going to talk about a book that uh, just came out so stick around stick around Jackie Lau's latest book, uh, Fake Girlfriend for Chinese New Year, came out January 7th. 
And in case you're wondering, uh, Chinese New Year this year is Saturday, January 25th. So in case you're like, hmm, what should I do before then? You should read this book. So this is book three um, in the series of the, uh, where is it? Holidays with the Wongs. Um, this is book three. And it's Zach Wong's book. He is one of the siblings. There are four Wong siblings. Um, Nick and Greg have both gotten their books already um, previously. Uh, one for Thanksgiving, one for Christmas. Now we're on Zach and then for just before valentine's day the fourth book will come out with their sister anyway zach decides to get himself a fake girlfriend for chinese new year um as the title says so that his parents and his grandparents won't send him up with some random person um because they're the parents and grandparents are tired of their kids all being single and so they thought that they would set all of them up at thanksgiving and it was crazy and he's just like i'm not trying to deal with all of that which i mean is valid right if i had my parents setting me up with random strangers every time i went home i would be like you know what i'm gonna bring some rando with me so that they stop doing this because no and you're like esther that sounds crazy why would you bring a stranger <laughs> okay but like at least a stranger i picked and in this case he doesn't pick a stranger he picks someone he knows and who he's friends with so technically his fake girlfriend isn't some like weirdo that is like oh but what if she's insane it's a girl he's already friends with now um there's something he doesn't know about her and uh, i've you know it he'll find out um but it's a really sweet novella it's set in the fake town of Mosquito Bay, um, not that far from Toronto, and it's just really interesting to me um, how Zach goes about getting his fake girlfriend and then is, like, kind of unaware of certain things. I'm like, Zach, come on, like, what's wrong with you? Um, you silly Billy. Um, but it's a really fun and easy read, um he in case you're like well like what does Zach Wong look like looks like <laughs> he looks like a Matrix era Keanu Reeves so you know just imagine that yum and oh he also wears a gray Henley at one point and you may not know this um or you may already know this but Henleys um make most men look amazing and gray ones is like oh, wow gray navy maroon white black oatmeal i mean it's just wow so it's a really like fun book and i think like it's part of a really great series i really actually really like long siblings and i'm excited for the next book even though it's also the last book so yeah jackie Lau's uh a fake girlfriend for chinese new year um it's something that uh you you want and you need because like come on a fake girlfriend for chinese new year i just like it's such a fun trope i think at least for me i enjoy you know when people are like i'm just gonna get myself a fake 
significant other so that my family could stop harassing me. And then, of course, because you guys have to spend time together to, you know, have this fake relationship. Guess what happens? Real feelings. Real feelings. Real feelings. And then, of course, you know, it's like, oh, my God, like, when are they going to figure out that it's real? And, like, you know, get to where they need to go uh but no it was really 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 cute and it like i said just came out chinese new year's coming out so this is you know really fun um thing to read before or you know the day of like maybe you know what maybe to get away from your family on chinese new year if they're aggravating you you can like go hide in a room while reading this book and then maybe say that you are talking to your potential boyfriend and so the book can act as your fake boyfriend right because you can be like oh i'm just i'm just chatting to this like you know really great guy who's you know a teacher or doctor or whatever um just a thought i mean you don't have to obviously but just just a thought so on january 27th um that's not next monday but the monday after that's when i'm going to be talking about book two uh visions of heat um and so if you want to have read the book before i talk about it then you know get get on it you know do it do your thing um if not you don't have to it's fine like i'm not gonna be like how dare you not have read the book um but that's what i'm going to be talking about not next week but the week after uh next week's episode i'm going to probably talk about the hot hot mess that the rwa has become um like i said I think in the first episode, a lot of times I'll be recording um, episodes that you'll be listening to after I've recorded. And so I don't know currently where the RWA is and what is happening is like, ooh, wow, um, Dumpster Fire DEFCON 2. It might be Dumpster Fire DEFCON 77 mm, by the time um, I talk about it. I don't know, um, but it is something that I I wish to speak of partially because I'm, you know, a reader, um, and it's just, it, I don't think anybody, that's not true, I'm sure that there were people who knew how bad it was, uh, as someone who isn't a member of the RWA, I couldn't have known, um, but there were signs, and oof, things were just wild wild uh so i'll probably talk about that a bit next uh next week um and then i'll also you know talk about like really fun awesome books that i've been reading um and and like yeah like i said and the week after that will be uh the book number two for Nalini Singh. Uh, so yeah, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, definitely uh, check me out on Twitter at Molesi. Uh, it's M-O-L 
E-S-S-I-E. Um, or you can also check out my Instagram that I'm going to, you know, be, do my best to not be so boring, um, which is at S-C-M-V, which is E-S-S-I-E-M-V. Um, and yeah, just hit me up. Um, thank you for listening. If you can um, leave a, a rating or a review, I will be like probably sitting screaming at my desk like, oh my god, someone left that review! Someone left that rating! Um, you don't have to, but if you do, just know that I'm getting like really, <laughs> really excited. So excited. I'm choking to death. Yay. Choking. Um, <laughs> hey, listen, it's romance. There are moments where choking is like, and then there are moments where it's like, no, no, this is bad, but, but what's going on? But anyway, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I hope you tune in next week. And um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you, like I said, if you haven't read the two books I mentioned uh, this week, Slave to Sensation by Nalini Singh and A Fake Chinese Girlfriend uh, for Chinese New Year by Jackie Lau, then please uh by all means go out there get these books read them enjoy them um potentially read the entire series for both of them because they're both series books um oh i just realized they're both series books i like books that are series it's it's the thing um so yeah go out there enjoy the books have a you know great week uh i know it's monday uh you know, when you're hearing this. And so hopefully the rest of your week is like awesome and wonderful and filled with really, really great books. Um, and yeah, and I will see you guys, uh, or not see you because <laughs> this is audio. I will, uh, chat with you guys in a week.